Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Kelly. Kelly, happy delayed Groundhog's Day. Happy delayed Groundhog's Day. Puxatawney Phil, he's... He's alive. Yeah, no, it's sorry. It's my local zoo's groundhog that died, so they had to use a penguin this year. What did the penguin predict? Uh, spring's coming soon. All right. The the one in I did see the one in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, who eats pierogies supposedly, um, <laughs> predicted that it would be an early false spring, which I didn't know was an option. Um, oh yeah, what? How how did he do that? I don't know, but all I saw was the headline <laughs> of predicts of early fall spring. I thought it was either spring is coming or spring is not. You know, yeah. Did he like come out of his hole and do a kickflip? And they're like, oh, uh, the, it's the rare false spring. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, you know you'll think it's spring, but no no no. Uh, so I found that very bizarre. But wouldn't you think that they would all be? It's one of those things where it's like, shouldn't you all be on the same page if you're actually prognosticating what's going to happen? You would assume. Like, everyone should watch Puxatani and be like, okay, they predicted that. Let's do yeah. our own and make sure that we say, you know, it's it matches. Like, I would understand if the penguin was off because he probably uses some kind of different alchemy than the other ones do. Yeah, the penguin, you could always say, oh, the penguin doesn't understand. We're doing our best. Yeah. You know, with what well, all the got. groundhogs should line up. Yeah, because then you're really, you know, I guess you're doing it like a shoot. What, however yeah. they determine it, they're just saying go this way or go that way. How is it? What it does Puxatani do to indicate that? I don't know. All I know is I, rem- I remember the episode of Viva La Bam. That uh, they went to go see Puxatawney Phil one episode, and he, the dude in the top hat that like announces Puxatawney Phil, picked up Puxatawney Phil, and Puxatawney Phil shit all over him. 
Um, let me see. According to tradition, if Phil sees his shadow and returns to his hole, he has predicted six more weeks of winter-like weather. Again, a bit of a cop-out uh, there. If Phil does not see his shadow, he has predicted a an quote-unquote early spring. But what if he sees his shadow and is not afraid of it and like stances up? Is that when we get the false spring? Uh, I don't really know. I do like immediately after it says the event is based on a communal, lighthearted suspension of disbelief. Like uh, wrestling. Yeah. Similar, <laughs> very similar to how wrestling works. Oh, there's also a section called Puxatani Phil Cannon on the uh, Wikipedia page. According, oh, this is a big one. According to the lore, there is only one Phil, and all other groundhogs are imposters. Oh, wow. So that means there's never been more than one. Like, it's not son of Puxatawney Phil. It's just he's an immortal. Well, correct. It is claimed that this one groundhog has lived to make weather pr prognostication since 1886, sustained by <laughs> drinks of quote-unquote groundhog punch or elixir of life administered at the annual groundhog picnic in the fall the lifespan of a groundhog in the wild is roughly six years <laughs> um oh wait a minute according to the groundhog club phil after the prediction speaks to the club president in the language of groundhoggies <laughs> which supposedly only the current president can understand and then his prediction is translated and revealed to all. Every okay. year I hope he's like, it will all burn. <laughs> and he's just like, it's going to be a great year. I tire. I tire of these <laughs> predictions. Release Let me, me die. Stop Release giving me, me the punch. Um, all right. Phil was named the official... Oh, this happened this year. Phil was named the official state meteorologist by the <laughs> governor during the 2024 ceremony. That's got to hurt if you're like a dude that actually went to school for that and has been like plying your trade for years and a fucking immortal groundhog gets your title. <laughs> um, it also says, uh, as you might imagine, PETA objects to the event claiming that Phil is put under stress. They have suggested replacing him with a robotic groundhog. I don't know how you can object when they're keeping this thing alive. Like, that's their whole goal, is to keep animals alive. This is an immortal groundhog that they give the elixir to every year. Normal yeah, people anything, don't get yeah. to taste the elixir. If anything, that's that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, also, Grandma, you have to die today so Puxatawney Phil can live another year. Um, also, the Viva La Bam episode is mentioned in this Wikipedia article. Good, good. Um, I, will, I will say they do have a list here of um, every prediction he has made, although there are 10 years where they have no record of the prediction in the 1800s. Oh, lost media. Uh, the event. Okay. So 107 times he has predicted six more weeks of winter. 
the so the vast majority of the time, only 20 times he has predicted early spring. Okay. Uh, at one year, 1943, the event was canceled. So the only year the event was ever not held. And then in 1942, they did have the event, but the prognostication was war clouds have blacked out parts of the shadow. which I would say is not a prediction, but is a statement of what's happening in that moment. Uh, very close to who cares about, who cares about the weather uh, there. So, yeah. Um, impartial estimates place the groundhog's accuracy between 35 and 41%. I mean, that's probably not far off from, like, an actual weather person. Oh, and they claim whenever the prediction is wrong, the person in charge of translating the message made a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Phil himself said that. He's just like, oh, I got it wrong. Doesn't work for me, brother. You misunderstood. It's the frickin' human's fault. Uh, the the southern groundhog is named General Beauregard Lee. Oh, that sounds like a racist groundhog. <laughs> uh, is the weather pro- prognosticator for the entire southern United States? Every year he predicts they will rise again. <laughs> well, that's a good note to switch into why we're really here, <laughs> Joshi Wrestling. <laughs> Uh, let's get into it. We're going to be talking some stardom Supreme fight. We'll be talking some more updates on the max heart tournament. We're going to dive into some of the results of the voices of wrestling match of the year list and much more. But before we do got to get the plugs in, follow us on Twitter at J audio. You can follow Kelly at comic geek Kelly, and you can follow me at Tamebo. Kelly having a very popular uh, two weeks on the on the old Twitter app. For the uh, most part, I'm not yelling at or getting yelled at by anyone anymore, so it's pretty chill again. Uh, subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice, and if that app of choice is Apple Podcasts, we would really love a five-star rating and review, and you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio so let's get into it as i mentioned up top we are going to be talking stardom supreme fight which just happened on february 4th at Edion osaka arena number two in front of 1377 fans kelly your thoughts on the show overall uh boring very boring show uh, I have to say, you know, we've talked about this on previous episodes. We might have to have a larger conversation on um, stardom crowds because they were terrible. I did see some people talking in the Discord that they think the audience was mic'd poorly, and I actually do agree with that because you could hear the crowd at times, but they were very muffled. 
I just thought there were times when I'm like, ah, I'm going to hear noise. And even the noise I heard, I was like, like at the end of the main event, the pin happens. And all I heard was like, clap, clap, clap. And I was like, yeah, mm, that's odd. Uh, I don't know. And it just seems maybe it was the miking. I did see that as well, but it just seems like a pattern at this point. Yeah. Where a lot of these big shows, it's like, oh, here comes a big match. And weirdly, no one's reacting. Uh, what's up with that? And the and... wild thing is, like, I've been looking for once. I actually like have a take on the attendance, which is fucking rare as hell. Uh, this number is really good because I've been looking at like pretty much all the other shows from recent time in this venue, and this destroys like everything. So it's like they had a huge crowd for this building, but also it's an enormous building. Yeah, I think 1377 is like a third of what it can seat. Yeah. Like what does New Japan do when they go there? The last time they were there was a tag league show and they did 952. Okay, well, that was last year. Yeah. Uh... Uh, one was there was a Super Junior Tag League show, Best of the Super Juniors Night Ten, that was eight nineteen. Oh well. Yeah, I'll go to early twenty twenty. Let's see what slight pre-COVID numbers were. Uh, that's a Fantastic Mania show. Ten fifty two. But it isn't a full, isn't it much bigger than, like, I thought it was in the 3,000 It is, but it doesn't range. seem like any, anyone actually draws that. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, the Stardom 9th anniversary show at this venue in uh, January 26, 2020, drew 626. So, very big increase from that. Yeah, it's a good number. It's just in the building, you know, yeah, Tokyo the building Joshi is too big. Has run, Tokyo Joshi has run into that problem too, where they run these huge buildings and they put like 800 people in them. Yeah. And then you're like, ooh, this sounds terrible just because the building is so big. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I just think, I actually do think there was a lot of pretty good work on the card. But it just, I I never, I was sort of watching thinking, okay, this is pretty good, but I never felt invested. And then I was like, well, there's no sound, like there's no noise. Mm -hmm. It's just like weirdly watching people wrestle in a vacuum um, to me. So it was just sort of strange. It was very uh, clap crowd sounding. (laughs) Yeah. But and I think it also goes to I think a, it probably was mic'd badly because they stardom bad stardom cannot mic that <laughs> shit for anything like it's either way too blown out or it's so quiet. Uh, but also I think this goes to what I've said before where I think a lot of stardom fans aren't larger wrestling fans and kind of just don't entirely know what to do at a show and got into it during COVID. Yeah, very, that's very possible. Um, Well, I hope, you know, it also could be a combination of all those factors. I hope they might things better, but also I hope the crowds get louder as well. 
2017, uh, May 31st, New Japan Best of the Super Juniors, Night 12, headlined by Will Ospreay beating Hiromu Takahashi, drew 1,118 people. Wow. And this is a, a pretty impressive <laughs> number then. I mean, have they ever run like a New Japan like big? It doesn't like, look like line show. Yeah, it, it doesn't really look like it. They'll run like nights of tours or whatever, but nothing huge. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But let's get into the show itself. The show started with two pre-show matches. Uh, I did not see. I'm assuming Kelly did not see, correct? Nope, did not. That's what I figured. Uh, My Sakurai defeated Hanako, Rana Yagami, and Ruaka in a four-way match in five minutes and nine seconds. And the stars duo of Hanan and Saya Ida defeated the God's Eye duo of Amisore and Saki Kashima in five minutes and 53 seconds. But let's get into it into the card proper with the first match and the first title match, Rena successfully defending her future of stardom title against Yuzuki in nine minutes and eight seconds. Kelly, what were your thoughts on this first match on the card? This is a weird match because I don't think it was actually very good on a technical level, but I really liked it. Uh, I think Yuzuki's got something. I really like the intensity she brings to the ring and her her work. Uh, she's rough, but there's definite definite potential there. I kind of like her unhinged screaming. It's not like the almost like purposeful screaming a lot of Joshi wrestlers do. Hers just feel like they're like guttural animal noises she makes as she <laughs> tries to struggle along. So I I think she's got something to her. I I like her. Uh, but yeah. Overall, match was fine. It wasn't great. I think I just went three stars on it just because. But I I actually really liked this. Uh, I like... My biggest note was I think Yuzuki has some fun offense uh, for, you know, still pretty early on. She was using the ropes for some stuff. She had the judo throws. She did what I believe was a tequila shot. Um but I'm not entirely sure. And I don't know what the actual move that move is called be, besides tequila shot. Tequila uh, shot Jones. Cause, cause I've never seen anyone else really use it. Um, so I think that's what it was, but maybe it wasn't, maybe that's done slightly differently, but I was like, Oh, this is sort of fun offense for someone where rookies are usually like my offense is drop kicks and strikes. Um, <laughs> So I like that. I agree with you. Nothing crazy, but a fun little match. Certainly happy to see these, especially, you know, future of stardom title. It's like, oh, this is a fun little thing to have. And it's nice to have actual proper rookies where I'm not like, okay, you defeated Yuzuki. Like, who the hell are we going to drag out of, you know, the depths to challenge for this (laughs) title next? Like, oh, there's actually people who could challenge. which is fun and good for the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this match, it was announced. They had a couple announcements. Uh, they had an announcement uh, about 
uh, Grand Queendom. They also announced that at New Beginning in Sapporo on February 23rd, Mayu Iwatani will defend her IWGP women's title against Mina Shirakawa. So the uh, stardom women getting back onto the New Japan cards. Uh, they also announced stardom pop-up Grand Prix in Loft, which I think is a store. I think I, so. I, I wasn't really sure. Uh, the word Grand Prix really threw me off. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a store. Because I was like, oh, Papa, there's a pop-up in a loft. That sounds like a store. But then they used the word Grand Prix. But I think it's yeah. a store. Uh, and also, we're advertising the Mayu Iwatani movie, which is coming out soon. Kelly, we definitely have to find the Mayu Iwatani movie. Uh, yeah, I'll be digging through... And review sources that I have. Um, I'll get my people on it. The next match was a tag team match. The Oedo Tai duo of Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora defeating the Queen's Quest duo of Lady C and Miyu Amasaki in six minutes and seven seconds. I'll start off by saying I have really nothing to say about this. Uh, match it gave uh, the Uedo Tai team a win, and then of course afterwards, uh, Natsukatora challenged Julia for the strong title. So really, that seemed like the point of this whole thing. Other than that, I really had nothing to say about the match. Uh, my lone note is fine. Uh, two and a half stars. That's all I got. Perfect. <laughs> the uh, next match was another tag team match but the big point of this match the return Kelly's eager, eagerly awaited return of Tom Nakano teaming with Yuna Mizumori to defeat the uh, newly teaming duo in Empress Nexus Venus oh, uh, or what's the short version of it uh, e nexus v yeah e nexus v uh we were close kelly because we were like <laughs> you just have to put two random words together but we were wrong you just have to put three random words together. yeah they said hold my drink i got three words <laughs> empress nexus venus uh the team of mina shirakawa and waka Tsukiyama losing in 12 minutes and 43 seconds i was happy to see tom back um as someone who i like tom um at you one point road she was doing a forearm exchange with mina and i think mina's one of mina's hair extensions fell off no that was one of tom's tom hit mina so hard one of her own extensions popped out of her head oh because <laughs> all i saw was of all i was like watching then all of a sudden it was like Whoop, and i was like that looked like someone's hair yeah, no, and that's it was exactly Mina what getting that hit, was. and I was like, "Oh, it must have been Mina's hair extension." No, <laughs> no um, it was Tom hitting her so hard her own extension popped out. That that was pretty great. <laughs> um, that was the highlight of the match for me. Uh, Tom getting the win, uh, like the match, but I think really nothing to, uh, Nothing crazy, but good to get Tom back in the fold and, you know, moving along again. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the little mini match that uh, Tom and Mina had. And 
overall, the uh, action was pretty good. I thought there was little bits where Tom showed some ring rust to me, but nothing she can't shake off pretty easily. And I thought Waka had a good showing here. Really, one of my favorite things about this match was the, the very beginning when Mina makes her entrance and she's doing the dance. And then Waka comes out and she's like, yes, hello, I'm here too. <laughs> I can't do dancing, but I can sure just walk. We each Makes have our own every skills. Every time. <laughs> we have our own skills in life. She keeps getting paired with people that dance, and it's got to be a rib at this point, and it's so funny every time. <laughs> the next match was our next title match for the high-speed title, Maysira and Hazuki going to a 15-minute time limit draw. Welcome back, time limit draws. Um, I thought there was a lot of good sort of classic high-speed match stuff in here. It, but it never really grabbed me. I was sort of shocked after I watched the show and sort of was looking online to see a ton of um, very high praise for this match. I saw four and three quarters for this match. Um, you know, other people saying it was, you know, sort of a low-level match of the year candidate. I never really got there. I thought it was good i went three and a half i thought it was pretty good um, yeah but didn't really go crazy and i was thinking during the match i was sort of like yeah this has a lot of good high speed stuff in it but didn't really grab me in the way that other ones have which is even strainer because i like both of them and i was excited for the match but um just sort of a disconnect there i think also one of those things where the crowd not not being able to hear the crowd, I guess I'll say was sort of one of those things where, especially here where you're really doing, okay, I'm getting a flash pin. I'm getting a flash pin. You really want to like hear those like, Oh, Oh, mm -hmm. as the, as the like pins get closer, like people gasping, people reacting. Uh, and so to not hear that sort of cuts off some of the build that, happens in really great matches so that to me maybe held it back but i thought it was good but nothing out of this world yeah no i enjoyed it well enough i think i went uh i went a little higher than you i did three and three quarters uh, i thought it was very good but it i don't know there was like there was just not that thing that i was hoping for with these two because i think just I expected a little bit more, and what we got was a good match. It definitely also feels like chapter one of a larger story they want to tell with these two. But also now looking back, it's kind of shouldn't have been surprising that it was a draw with because Hazuki's kind of you know she's a little too high up the card at this point to be in the high speed mix, so it, it makes sense that she wasn't going to win, but they also wouldn't want her to lose. But yeah, no, I thought it was good. Definitely not like a top tier contender for match of the year or anything, though. Yeah, one that you say, okay, they wrestled 15 minutes and now they still have stuff in the chamber if they do it again, yep. you know, and say, oh, we got to have a winner or something like that. Uh, but just one of those things where it's just sort of surprising where I go on and people are like, oh, it's so great. And I was like, oh, uh, just didn't see it for this now nah. the next match was a eight person tag team match celebrating the 13th anniversary of stardom mayu iwatani nanai takahashi 
Azumi and Utami defeating Julia, Mirai, Shuri, and Suzu Suzuki in 20 minutes and 51 seconds. Kelly, what were your thoughts on this one? I kind of thought this match felt like boring and soulless. Like it was one of those where I'm just watching it and I'm like, the work is objectively good. But it just felt like it was there to take up time. I don't know. There was just something about it that just never clicked with me and kind of just felt like okay, we're doing this. All right, this is this is good, I guess, but like I don't I couldn't bring myself to care for whatever reason. And that's like everyone involved is talented. So like I don't know what it was that just didn't grab me at all with this. Um I thought it was enjoyable. Um I thought the best parts of it were the Mayu and Suzu. Yes. Sections 100%. of it. Uh, I was also very distracted by uh, Tekla appearing at ringside, <laughs> which the, the announcers like way oversold. And then no one in the ring paid any attention to. I thought um, she was coming out there to like pick up Natsupoi for a sec. Well, you know, she always has wild uh, fits. Yeah, and showed up in. I'm like, what? And the announcers are like, oh, she's here, she's here. And then they come back to the ring, and no one's even looking at it. And they're like, okay, we're just gonna wrestle. Uh, and then she got on commentary and started speaking in English, which threw me off. Yes, <laughs> because everyone's like speaking in Japanese, and then she's like, hey, it's it's Tekla, the toxic spider. And I was like, what? I was like, who's speaking English? Um, and then went back into Japanese, but I was like, oh, very strange. Um, but I thought it was a solid match. Again, another match I went three and a half stars on. Uh, didn't think it was at that next level. Uh, thought the Mayu and Suzu stuff. I think if that had been more of the match, I probably would have been higher on it. But I mean, I thought it was an enjoyable match. I mean, you sort of have Julia stuck in here who's in this weird world of like she doesn't matter anymore and everyone knows she doesn't matter but the company isn't going to say she doesn't matter you want to baselessly speculate about julia right now do i want to baselessly speculate yeah uh about what aspect of julia just whatever we think is going on with her i we have zero proof of anything but let's throw out our theories i mean i think she's leaving and going to wwe yeah i think that's Pretty obvious, but also like, I think it's entirely possible that she was like, "All right, cool, I got a deal," and no one actually like wrote anything down. And now she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna come because of this deal," and they're like, "Wait, oh, oh, you, yeah, hold on, I wrote this down somewhere," and then they didn't, and they're like, "Oh, uh, maybe next year." I would not be shocked at all if it's something like that. But I mean, she is signed. Her contract with stardom is through March. Yeah. So it does make sense. She's still there, but I just think there's so much of like, everyone's like, well, she's leaving. It would be very strange if it was all of a sudden. Oh, never mind. She's staying like that would be sort of strange. Yeah. She feels very like floating out there. There's all this discussion of why she's not going to AEW, which I think there's a lot of things being thrown out to cover up the fact that 
I think that their women's scouting is fairly poor. Um, and it's like, why'd you miss? And they were like, um, it's because of this random thing that now everyone's talked. She's too stiff, but you know, <laughs> she was too stiff, but the problem wasn't, she was too stiff. The problem was actually, she didn't say to the other person, she was too stiff. Like all feels to me like, whoops, we missed on this one. Uh, what's a, someone find a reason why. Yeah. You know, they're, they are not recruiting skill people at that level in AEW. They just, they, I mean, they got Mariah. If they sign Julia, that's one less spot for Sky Blue. And we really need, well, now Sky Blue has been, is, will be on the back burner. And now we'll see Serena Deeb every week. Um, yeah, we've been getting a lot of Queen Aminata as well lately. To really well, at least I like watching her wrestle. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but it just feels like one of those things that they just don't really. I mean, they just want to do what they do, and you know, they brought in Mariah, and she's wrestled two times. And wh- how long has she been there? Four months or something? Something like that. And you know, she's had two matches that everyone's been like, "Wow, these are really great," and then she just sort of disappears for a long time but anyway i'm really glad that people liked her matches so you and i didn't seem like insane people for talking her up uh i thought they were icing her out so she would be rusty when she started wrestling and then they could go see these people from stardom aren't any good uh stop asking me about them yeah Uh, so i'm thinking that since julia julia's going to wwe and the funniest possible outcome for Okada is to go to NXT. What they're going to do is they're going to bring in uh, Okada as a Yakuza boss to fight with the mafia that they have in NXT. And Julia is going to be like part of the the Yakuza with him. That's my theory. Uh, well, let's hope that doesn't... Uh... NXT Gang Wars. And then you can have the what's another type of gang? Uh, get the Irish in there. Get the get an get an <laughs> IRA they gimmick. Have, they have Irish, although I don't know if they're in NXT. I don't watch NXT, so I have no. Clue. We'll take. We'll bring Sheamus down to NXT too. He can lead yeah. the Irish mob. <laughs> uh, anyway, the semi-main event of this show. Uh, was for the wonder of stardom title, Sayori Ono def- successfully defending her title, defeating Starlight Kid in 17 minutes and 42 seconds. And Kelly, the way you felt about the last match is the way I largely felt about this match in that I thought it was objectively good, but I never really felt in any way invested. Yeah, I I liked it. I thought the work was good. I was expecting more. Uh, things kind of just stayed at the same level throughout the match. There was no real escalation. So I kept expecting, like, all right, they're going to kick in that other gear. But that never happened. It was just kind of flat the whole match. And while I think the work was good and I did enjoy it, it wasn't what it could have been. Also, I'm not sure the chaps work on Starlight Kid. Okay, I had a note on that as well. That I was like, are those chaps is that yeah. what they're supposed to be yeah like i don't um, i wasn't feeling it 
Just a very, I mean, it seems like right now, you know, was doing this stuff with the mask, with the top off the, you know, the top of the mask cut off, now doing chaps. Just maybe someone looking for, you know, some direction. Out some options. You're just being like, well, let's see how this feels. Uh, All right. What if I wasn't a cat anymore? Okay. I don't know how that works. What if I was a cat, but also a cowboy? I mean, a lot of successful cowboys in wrestling history. So. Yeah, yeah, and not a lot of successful cow girls. Girls. I mean, the 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 lane is open. Who's the most and, uh, successful cowgirl? Mickey I guess, James. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say Camille when she was using Old McDonald. But she wasn't really a cowgirl. <laughs> no, was she was sort just. Of... She just lived in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. She was just coming out to Old McDonald. That wasn't really the gimmick. Um, can I think of any other cow girls? Because yeah, now I, I didn't even think of Mickey James, but she did. She was. But she isn't really Mickey James. Yeah. <laughs> what would we call Mickey James's gimmick generally? Somewhere Garrett has just snapped awake. Because I'm like, I don't even know how I would describe her. Like, oh, how has she been her whole... Like, what's her deal her whole career? I'm like, I don't even really know. Lesbian first. Um, No, sorry. Uh, Raven friend first. <laughs> then lesbian. Yeah, and then cowgirl. And then cowgirl. Well, I guess she is cowgirl, so... Yeah. Starlight Kid having a Mickey James... <laughs> career arc yeah uh, just imagine it um but yeah i think the match was this was one where i was like oh, i'm really excited for this and then it sort of just happened and i was like oh, oh okay yeah that was that was uh that was the match uh and then the main event was for the world of stardom title Micah successfully defending her title against Saya Kamatani in 21 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, sort of felt similar about this one. More good work that I just didn't really... I don't know. I don't know what it was about the show. If it was, again, the crowd. I mean, I did definitely did notice the crowd in this one because uh, that was the moment when Micah got the pin and all I heard was sort of polite applause. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah from the crowd where i was like hmm uh okay that was very strange to me yeah this i honestly was shocked that this didn't go to a draw because of how i thought just meandering and slow the match was i was like oh obviously they're working to a draw they have to do the first slow ass 10 minutes and then they can get to the 30 but no uh, I thought the uh, closing stretch was pretty good. But yeah, I was largely bored by this and fairly disappointed because I was actually kind of looking forward to this one. I've turned the corner on Saya for the most part, and I like Micah a lot. But I only went three and a quarter on this, so I was very disappointed. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value 
a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network yeah i'm happy it wasn't a mike uh first defense loss that would have been yeah uh very sad yeah, but it seems like the direction they're going, maybe Tom Micah. Um, so if that's the case, it's it makes sense that you wouldn't then put it on Saya to immediately um, take it off of her. If Tom wins, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Saya didn't win would seem to indicate to me that Tom is going to win. You know what I mean? I know, but I don't want like... Come on, you, she dropped the belt and they gave it to Micah. Like, don't just give it right back to her. That's she's so gotta, boring. She's got to earn it in the ring, Kelly. Yeah, walk the road a little longer. Keep up, keep up, kayfabe. She's gonna win it in the ring. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was. I mean, that was Stardom Supreme <laughs> Supreme fight. Uh, a lot of things, I really didn't feel all that strongly about definitely a show. I mean, it also doesn't help that it's at the beginning of February, but in December I can almost guarantee I will not remember a single moment of this show. Oh yeah. No, this is pretty much once I close the laptop after recording this, it's gone from my head. But what else has been happening in the world of Joshi in Tokyo, Joshi, the max heart tournament continued with the 
uh semifinals is that what you call them i never know what, what uh yeah these are semifinals because it goes first round quarterfinals semifinals okay finals yeah uh Two matches, Daisy Monkey successfully defeating Juria Nagano and Moka Miyamoto, and Mi Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi defeating Wakano Uihara and Yuki Arai. Uh, so they will face off in the finals. Rika claiming that Miyu will have two matches uh, in March if they become the number one contenders for the tag title. She would have a tag title challenge and a uh, princess of princess challenge which miyu didn't seem all that enthused by yeah um, we'll so my my guess yeah my guess is that daisy monkey wins and then you know obviously miyu goes on to her title challenge and then rika challenges yuki arai for the international princess title i'm gonna be controversial and say i think miyu wins i think miyu and rika oh, win miyu all belts no, and then I think it's going to be Miyu no belts. Oh, no. <laughs> because I think then, you know, A, I mean, I guess Daisy Monkey could be, uh, Daisy Monkey could challenge again because they didn't get the singles challenge for the belts. But it seems like they weren't going to win anyway because they didn't win the match on 1-4. So it seems like I guess they could win, but it seems like them challenging again for the titles and losing is is sort of redundant, this close yeah. together. And then you've got the story built in. I guess Miyu and Rika could win the tag titles, and then Miyu could lose against Miyu, and the yeah. story could be, oh, well, it was Rika's fault because, you know, she made Miyu have to have two matches. Oh, uh, shit. Going to build dissension between Hakachumu. But not even that it would be dissension, but it, it would just be the story of like, well, then at least you have some built-in reason why Miyu doesn't win the Princess of Princess title. And then Miyu snaps just... and swings Rika around until her head falls off. Because I'm leaning more and more as every day goes by that Miyu... Watanabe is not beating Miyu Yamashita in March. I'm I'm letting my hope live. I mean, I'm hopeful, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm like, Daisy Monkey wasn't going to win it in January. But they're going to challenge again and win it? That doesn't seem... It almost seems like there's no story there yeah, to tell. So it would have to be the other way. And then you have like a sort of double story. I mean, I guess the question is, well, I don't know that either of these teams is going to be the reason people buy a ticket. Not in a mean way, but sort of in a... There's other matches on the card but it's like is me having two matches a super draw the people i don't know she is popular yeah um but we'll have to see and we'll talk about that show uh coming up in a few minutes 
Uh, what else has been going on in Joshi? Uh, Corican, uh, Corican Hall, Ice Ribbon had a Corican Hall show. That was the show that featured the Ribbon One tournament, which was won by Hamako Hoshi, who will challenge for the Ice Infinity title at uh, Ice Ribbon's March Corican Hall show. I have to say, I am slightly shocked that Ice Ribbon is having another Cork and Hall show in March because I think they drew to this Cork and Hall show something like 200 and something people. Ooh. Uh, which, um... There's no way you even break even on that. 220 people, I think, or something along that line, um, which seemed shocking. Um, seemed shocking to me, and I checked, and I was like, is this true? And people were like, yep. Uh, so just very strange. I mean, I hope ice ribbon comes back. You know, I've been watching all of their, you know, dojo shows and things like that. And it's a very fun promotion. They have a great roster, you know, like Tsukasa Fujimoto came back tomorrow. That would be a huge boost because then they would have someone in the upper card because I think they have a lot of interesting sort of mid card and lower talent which they can't really use i mean um abuki hoshi is really great uh i think she's really good but if you brought back fujimoto i think that'd be a big help it's a thing where it's not like they're so far away where they have no one on the roster and they're totally dead it's just i think they need some they need a couple more people and they need to get some heat back into the the whole thing which i think they can do they've done it before so uh we'll see but i'm hopeful but who knows uh also on that korokin hall show uh yuki mashiro returned uh as we mentioned last time uh diana had a show on the 28th uh that was the show that featured haruka uh umasaki defeating unagi saika for uh, the Diana title. That was also the show that had the public tryout, uh, which if you're a fan of watching those, it is in the video. You can watch it. I always love watching the tryouts just because I find them so fascinating and they appear to my own uh, slightly, maybe majorly slightly less athletic person. Uh, they seem exhausting to me <laughs> and like impossible to do. When they're like, hey, here's what you should do. Um, you should do 50 uh, squats, 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, uh, run around the ring, do a bunch of bumps, and then you're going to shoot wrestle someone on the roster. And you better look good. And I'm, I'm like, absolutely nope, not. I would be out. I would be so out. You know, flip around on your head, uh, you know. 25 times <laughs> just like i me. feel like i would be out at shoot wrestle one of the people well, on no the that's last that's like yeah, the last I thing think that happens you could take me out with that i wouldn't even need to do all the rest they're doing all these dips they're doing you know dip out you know do like dolphin you know move your arms up and down i'm like i could never and this girl i don't even know i tried to look up info on diana's twitter and website and i don't know if i missed the name or if they didn't send it out but the girl that had this tryout could not have been more than 14 years old 
So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she's so young that it's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, um, it's just like the fitness test at school or something. Yeah, but there are times when she was, you know, lagging and the crowd would be like, come on, come on, you know, cheering her on. So I always think they're interesting just because they're sort of unique. Uh, they don't really happen. They don't even really happen that often uh, in Japanese wrestling, but certainly never happen in American wrestling. Uh, and I think they're an interesting look into uh, a bit of wrestling. I wonder if it would be easier to do the public tryout than like just in the dojo or whatever, because you might it might help you fire up to have the crowd behind you. I don't know. To me, I would think, oh, God, like I would be so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> going in thinking, oh, I'm going to fuck something up and everyone will see and I'll get tired. I don't I, I just don't know that there's I would how much energy I would get from people sort of sympathetically clapping for me <laughs> occasionally. I'd sort of be like, oh, God, they're clapping for me because I'm doing terribly. And you'd I'd just be in my head. But that's why um, I'm not a wrestler. I would turn and be like, take more pictures, old man. This might be your last chance. Uh, Wave also had a Quirk and Hall show on February 4th. Risa, Sarah, and Saki defeating Hanuka and Kazuna Tanaka to win the tag titles. And Yuki Miyazaki and Haruka Umasaki went to a 30-minute time limit draw for the Regina de Wave title there. Uh, we also want to briefly touch on that the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year list came out recently. Uh, we're going to just touch on a little, Joshi. I think this was the first time in many years, probably at least, I didn't check, but I think at least five years maybe, that a uh, women's match did not improve, did not get the highest uh, rating a women's match has ever gotten in the list. Um, I think the list of matches that got nominated sort of show the strange year that Joshi had. There really it wasn't was a really one, weird year. <laughs> there wasn't one consensus match that people said oh this one is so good it's so great that usually um which usually really helps because then that gets outside of the world of people who regularly watch joshi into the world of people who don't regularly watch joshi mm -hmm. i saw a lot of uh top 10 lists because a lot of people publish them once they've submitted or publish them after the list comes out that had i mean Kelly, besides you and me, really, from the people who submitted a, whose list I saw, I didn't see any women's matches. Yeah. Um, so definitely that. A match that I really loved, which we'll talk about in a second, I think came slightly too late um, to sort of get there. But we'll go through here. Uh, finishing tied for 336th place uh, was Miyu Yamashita versus Millie McKenzie from Eve. Uh, Aja Kong and Suri versus Mika Iwata and Mio Momono from the Hanakamura Memorial Show. And Hyper Masao, Mizuki, Shoko Nakajima, Yuki Aeno, and Yuki Kamafuku versus Free Wi-Fi, Haku Chume, and Raku from WrestleCon. That a fun uh, vote 
that, yeah. I think that show was a lot of fun. So uh, happy to see that one make it on there. Yeah, those are all ones where they got one vote in the 10th place spot. So as when I was going through and making this list, initially I grabbed all the ones that were in the top 100. And then I was like, all right, let's just go through. And anytime a company appears for the first time, I'll slap that down too. So we can kind of look at where they showed up. And yeah, these were three... I what we call the vanity pick where it's just like, ah, this is, it wouldn't necessarily be my like actual 10th best match of the year, but I want to get something on the list. Uh, tied at 174th was Chihiro Hashimoto versus Natsupoi from the 716 Sendai girl show, which got one vote, which was the fourth place vote. And also getting one fourth place vote, Nanai Takahashi, Rina Yamashita, and Ryo Mizunami versus Hiroyo Matsumoto, Jungle Kiona, and you from the April 14th Nomad show. Uh, Rich Krejci actually reached out to me <laughs> to um, reach out to us, actually, I think, to ask about how to uh, write up Nomads. And I had 100% forgotten. Yep. That it ever existed. <laughs> I same. <laughs> I saw that message and I was like, holy shit, nomads. That's right. I was like, I was like, nomads? I was like, oh yeah, that was that promotion of yeah. freelancers. Um and then I think those, Yeah, that fell by the wayside as as many of these promotions do. Yeah. And I think the other match at this spot, the Hashimoto versus Natsupoi match was definitely hurt by Sendai Girl's weird uploading schedule on YouTube because now, post the list coming out, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about this match, and it's still sitting in my two-watch pile of matches, so I'll get to it eventually, but I've heard a lot of good things, and it's kind of a bummer that it didn't get the recognition that it probably deserved. At 158th, Meisuruga and Ryo Mizunami versus Chie Koshikawa and Kaho Kobayashi from what the list says is a Gato Move DPW combined show. Is that true, Kelly? They did two of them at uh, Shinkiba in... Uh, I forgot to put a date down. I think it were was... Those, uh, were those April. those shows that had no... Like had one person from DPW on them? Yes. Was that those shows? Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, that match got one vote, which was a third place vote. Uh, at 145th, Ayako Sato and Hanako Nakamori versus Akari and Kriya from Pure J on October 29th, which got one vote, uh, which was a second place vote. At 135, Teppen versus Mari and Miku Aono and the Royal from Actress Girls uh, on April 25th, which got two votes, the highest of which was fifth place. And then we get to the top 100 matches, 100 Siri versus Chihiro Hashimoto from Stardom on April 23rd. Uh, Four votes, the top vote being a third place vote. That one, one that I think was just outside, I think if we did like, top 20 or top 25 that one would have been in there because i think i went four and a half stars on that one if i remember correctly yeah no i remember you really liked that one and i kind of i need that was one where i was like damn i need to go rewatch this because i didn't like it as much as everyone else at 91 Miyu yamashita versus mizuki 
from the big Tokyo Joshi show on October 9th, four votes, the top vote being a second place. That a match that I remember disliking, mainly because Mizuki lost. Um, But many people liked it. There was a lot of hype around it at the time, which seemingly sort of evaporated um, pretty quickly. If Mizuki had won, I think we could have gotten that one much higher. Yeah, and it's in that sweet spot. I think now the best time for a Joshi match of the year to finish high is either October or November. Yes. Uh, at 88, Shiri versus Suzu Suzuki from the July 23rd Stardom Show. That was the, uh, it got five votes, the top of which was a fifth place vote. That was the kickoff of the five star, right? I believe so, which that match ruled. Uh, at 82, Mina Shirakawa versus Saya Kamatani from the April 23rd Stardom Show. Five votes, the top vote being the sixth place vote. That match is wild because I've noticed a groundswell with that match too. Like, one, uh, there's a YouTuber I watch who's not really like he'll talk about wrestling. He has very bizarre wrestling takes. This was his match of the year. Like, I and this is a match that that's another one where like I watched it and it left my brain forever. But like the people that like this match, like love it. But it had the build up, right? Because that was the match that was built yes. up after she busted her face open. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, at number eighty uh, from New Japan, actually on February eighteenth was Mercedes Monet versus Kyrie. Uh, seven votes, finishing in fifth place. Um, I don't even remember what I gave that. No. Uh, mad I, I don't remember then we get into a big run of matches that i voted for uh, <laughs> at 75 julia versus maya yukihi from the march 4th stardom show got four votes the highest being third i don't even think that third was my vote um but that was a match i talked about on our year end show as one of my favorites of the year yeah, that match was so good. Uh, then we take another big jump to 51, just outside the top 50. Mayumi Ozaki versus Mio Momono from Marvelous on August 7th. Six votes, the highest being a first place vote, which was my vote. Nice. Um, I believe. Um, number 42, this is the match. I think if it had taken place maybe a couple weeks earlier, um, could have done a lot better could have probably been up pretty high because I think it was building a little bit of momentum, but happening in December, it sort of got swallowed up by a lot of year end stuff was the 10 person tag from the December 1st, Tokyo Joshi show. It got 10 votes. uh, The highest rank being a second place vote, which also might've been mine. Um, And that finished 42. So inside the top 50, we take another big jump and we've got a run of women's matches. Saya Kamatani versus Hazuki from the March 4th stardom show. 11 votes, highest ranking being a first place vote. Uh, that was a match I think I remember liking. And Kelly, I think you didn't like as much as me. Is that I true? went I just I just brought up my spreadsheet. I went four and a quarter on it. Like I liked it just fine. OK, but I didn't see it anywhere near being a match of the year contender. 
Uh, 23, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair from WWE. So we will skip that. That was the top American women's match, just for reference. Uh, didn't get any first place votes. Uh, number 22, Tom Nakano versus Julia from the April 23rd Stardom Show. 15 votes and got at least a one first place. I think that one is probably the easiest one to see high in the list because it was so built up. It sort of had yeah. a lot behind it that it makes sense that probably a lot of people would have watched it and a lot of people would have then voted for it. I think uh, if that match had blood, it would have gone up to like easily. I think it would have made top 10 if there was blood in that match. Then at number 18, we're inside the top 20. Seri versus Arisa Nakajima from the Seedling August 25th show. 28 votes, the highest rank being second. Kelly, I Hell believe yeah. this was on your list, correct? It sure was. That's the Joshi Sicko match right there for the, this year. And then the number one rated Joshi match coming in at 15. So no top 10 matches for Joshi this year. Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai. From the June 25th Stardom Show, 24 votes uh, with the highest ranking being one. So got actually less votes than Seri and Arisa, but got at least one first place vote, which helped put it over the top uh, for the year. So that yeah. is everything. And, and that match is what makes me say that if Tom and Julia had blood, it would have gone higher because you did get that little bit of blood in that match. Yeah, and interesting, another match that I didn't have, that I think I remember also like, really liking, but didn't mm -hmm. have really anywhere near my top 10. So I think it, that one was more for people that were very invested in the Queen's Quest Wado Tai story, which I don't think either of us were. We also have updates for the Joshi Fantasy League updated again. We will start, as always, down in current third place, and that remains Liam. Sadly, Liam down. Eat shit, Liam. At 44 points, although I will say Liam getting a big boost. Uh, luckily, of six points from Unagi Sayaka winning the DDT uh, heavy metal weight title. Oh yeah, that'll uh, do it. On that Diana show and getting a big six points. Uh, Unagi Sayaka currently his uh, workhorse in the team with 14 points. He's got 44 total, so he's got Unagi with 14. Suzu Suzuki with 11. Chihiro Hashimoto with nine. Sari with seven. Sari has not wrestled since January 16th. And speaking of, hasn't wrestled or hasn't won a match, I should say, since January 13th, AOE, down with only three points. Uh, has only won a single singles match in 2024. Then we move up to second place, which remains Kelly. Wow. Uh, Kelly with 60 points, uh, helped out by... Uh, a little bit. You didn't score that many points in the last two weeks. I think you scored a total of something like 12 points, I believe. Oh, uh, shit. I have Vaney. Damn it. I just. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Vaney uh, having some visa issues. So I hope that gets resolved. She got reverse Matt Seidel. <laughs> um, 
but she is down with four points. But Kelly getting pretty even here. Rina Yamashita up at the top with 18. Utami with 15. Takumi Aroha with 12. Um, helped out by the fact you had a uh, West Coast Pro title defense in there yeah. for Takumi Aroha, which got you six points. Uh, me, Yamashita at 10. And then Venny down at five points. And beginning to run away. Oh, shit. With 82 points, me, this guy, in first place, majorly helped this week by the fact that Miyuki Takase had back-to-back days of successful DPW title defenses, which earned me 12 points. Uh, If Sayakamatani had won, I might be, you know, on cloud nine now because that would have got me 10 (laughs) points but uh so miyuki takase running away with it 26 points uh you giving me 19 sai kamatani and ibuki hoshi with 14 points each and miyu watanabe at nine so i have opened up a 22 point lead on kelly but you never know what can happen these title you know defenses if you get one or two in a week, you can really uh, stack on the points. If you win a title, uh, that can be very big because that's worth 10 points. We haven't had anyone win a title, uh, I don't believe, yet. You, you know year. what I'm thinking might help me? Mania weekend. Yeah, I, got the, I got the two Yamashitas. Although now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, didn't... Unagi win a title this year? Did I miss something? Unagi. Uh, hold on. Well, Unagi won the. Uh... Didn't she win a title? She won the. Uh, well, she had like Kitsune or whatever, but I think that was the end of last year. Oh, no, she did. She won the JTO girls title. Oh. And now, oh, now, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, was that just like a- added to cage match late or something? Wait, no, this is interesting. <laughs> wow, I'm doing this on the fly. Okay, <laughs> Unagi. All right, Liam's about to be very happy, and you might be, you <laughs> Kelly, you if, might be regretting saying each shit. Uh, about if Liam jumps ago. me, oh, and I'm going to be so upset. Because instead of having 12 points, he so I gave him six and six for title win for title victories. However, he should have gotten 10 points because Unagi won the JTO girls title and gets 10 points because Unagi won the heavy metal weight title. Oh, god damn it. She lost it in the Diana title match to Umasaki and then won it back immediately after the match. So, wow. Uh, Happening on the fly. I think you might still be good, but uh, Liam making a big jump up to 52 points. I'm going to go find Unagi and shoot Pinner and steal the belt so she can't have it. All right, but a lot closer now. Uh, and then Liam I'll run at, and find someone that's on my team and lose it. <laughs> Liam at 52, Kelly at 60, and me at 82. Um, 
So that's that. Very interesting and very exciting. Liam, continue to eat shit. Uh, what is coming up in Joshi? Stardom has two shows at Corican Hall coming up. Uh, last I checked, they had not announced anything yet. Those shows are on the 14th and the 17th of February. Oh, uh, the 14th. That's my birthday. They should let me book the show. Yeah. Why don't you ask them? I'll call <laughs> up Rossi. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> uh, Oz Academy has a show on the 18th. However, Tokyo Joshi has a show on February 10th. That will be the Max Hart Tournament Finals show. We have the full card for that. Shino Suzuki will take on Haru Karashiro, Kazashiro uh, in a singles match. Yugi Kamafuku, Nao Kakuda, and Mihiro Kiryu will team to take on Raku, Palm Harajuku, and Ram Kaichao. Moka Miyamoto will face Kaya Torabami. Mizuki will face off against American import Zara Zakar. Uh, that's that's not a real person. So is a real person. Uh, you can find her on Twitter. She is 22 years old, I believe. Uh, and I, I think runs in this sort of West Coast uh, circles. I guess so. We'll see getting a big test with a singles match with Mizuki. Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Masao will take on Wakana Uihara and Himawari. Miyu Yamashita and Toga will team to face the tag champions in a non title match, uh, Ryu Mizunami and Yuki Aino. And then the one title match of the show, Yuki Arai giving a title match to Juria Nagano before she departs from the company. Something we didn't talk about, uh, Kelly, in the recap of the last two weeks, announced that Juria will be leaving um, the wrestling business, will be leaving Tokyo Joshi, but is um, looking to focus more on her entertainment and other various um, interests. Understandable. She has a million million jobs. (laughs) A million jobs and doesn't want to give... Um, wrestling the short straw. So makes sense. Wrestling really is one of those things where it's like, you need to be all in. Like this just needs to be what you do. You can't also be an influencer, a karate person and a nurse. Like that's just not going to work. That's not how it goes. So like as sad as I am to see her go, I think she had a ton of potential, but I totally understand it. But maybe winning a title on the way out, uh, we'll have to see. I doubt it. Maybe she's got a lot left in the tank. (laughs) Maybe Maybe she's going to wear a salmon jacket. (laughs) I was about to say, maybe she'll come out in a salmon jacket. Ah, Maybe she'll do it. Can you imagine if she came out in a salmon jacket, how many people in the Tokyo Joshi audience would understand the reference? (laughs) That feels like a decisively American yeah. reference point. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact it happened on American wrestling TV, but yeah. Um, and then the main event will be the Max Hart tournament finals, Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe against Suzume and Ariso Endo. Uh, Kelly going for Daisy Monkey and 
myself on the other side. So we'll see who wins. Will Miu have two matches at the big March show coming up? Sendai Girls has two shows on the 11th and 12th. On the 11th, there will be a tag title match. Uh, Team 200 Kilogram, Chihiro Hashimoto, and you will defend against Eureka Oka and Miyu Momono. And on the 12th, Mika Iwata will have her first ever hardcore match against who else? Dash Chizako. Um, that should be uh, an interesting one. I think that could rule because as we've seen in the past on the uh, uh, Hana tribute shows and I think other places, Mika Iwata is a very big fan of Jun Kasai. So there is a little deathmatch weirdo inside her. So this could be awesome. Ice Ribbon is having a show on February 11th. Some women from CMLL will be coming over uh, for that. So interesting there. Marvelous has a show on February 13th. That will be Mio Momono's eighth anniversary show, uh, which is sort of hard to believe. Uh, Kelly, what is happening coming up in Gato Move and Choco Pro? On the 13th, they are running a show at Itabashi Green Hall. It is the 8th Go-Go Green Curry Cobb Coon Cup. It is a single-day mixed tag tournament. Uh, so far, I think there's just four teams. I don't know if there will be any more announced. Uh, but the entrants are Best Bros, Emi Sakura and Mas- Masahiro Takanashi, uh, Tokiko Kirihara and Sh- uh, Shuichiro Katsumara, and then the final team being Sayaka Obohiro and Minero Fujita. So that, that, that'll that be fun. I, I just really like the name of the tournament more than anything. <laughs> so that is everything coming up in Joshi. And now I will turn it over. We didn't have one last episode because of technical problems. But is this the return, Kelly, of Kelly's Corner? You know, it is. Uh, I have been playing a ton of Like a Dragon uh, Infinite Wealth. It is the eighth in the main series of the Yakuza games, which is now the Like a Dragon series. Uh, it's so much fun. I love these games. It's just it's just hanging out with my buds, you know? Just chilling, going to collect some weirdos to make them fight other weirdos. There's an entire like Pokemon game inside this yakuza jrpg like you just collect random weirdos on the street and then make them fight other weirdos that other people have collected don't think about the ethical things involved in that uh there is an entire animal crossing inside this game as well which i have like just unlocked so i'm looking forward to playing with that but man i love these games i hope they keep making them forever it's so much fun Well, there you have it for Kelly's Corner, and that is all for us for this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. So we will be back with you in two weeks for episode 99 of Jumping Bomb Audio. So until then, for Kelly, I am Taylor saying farewell. Bye, everybody.
Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Kreich and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.